It's another episode of Donnie's Disposals. I am your host, Coach Donnie Hess, here back with another AFL round review. And as we've kind of seen through this year, I have co-hosts joining me to take over Ross's spot since Ross has a few other things, including getting married very, very soon. <laughs> so if you do know him on social media, please wish him and his lovely fiance phoebe a very wonderful wedding here very very soon but we are here to talk footy we are here to talk afl joining me today from the bevy of bloods podcast yes another swans podcast another week unfortunately this may not be the easiest conversation when it comes to our <laughs> beloved bloods it's chris from the bevy of bloods chris thank you for joining me today easy donnie mate it's really great to be here and having a chat with you again mate I always love your stuff dude i'm looking forward to this one really oh. I genuinely, genuinely appreciate it, and the and the the mutual appreciation is back. The, the bevy of bloods is another one of my favorite podcasts. One of those ones I have to listen to every week. Sometimes the ones after losses are a little bit difficult to listen to, but it's the fact that you got to support the Bloods in any way possible, especially a very good podcast like yours. So let's jump into it. We're going to be doing a little bit of everything on this one. So real quick, before we break down each game, thoughts on round nine that has just ended merely hours ago for you and I. Thoughts on round nine. Yeah, look, I thought it was a pretty good um, telling of where most teams were. Um, I think it really positioned teams roughly where we thought they were going to be sitting on. Using a couple of examples there, um, I think we're going to get into it a bit more. The Carlton-St. Kilda game, I think at the beginning of the season, people had them kind of like around battling a bit, but the, the dogs haven't been that good. But in them to see them get up and get up strongly through the middle, especially, that's something that I think is telling. Uh, and I think generally across the, the ground, including... The Richmond win over Geelong. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines to be played out here, and I think it's all starting to, it's all starting to formulate. I think we're starting to see the teams get deeper. A couple of injuries come in, a couple of players coming back, um, a couple of magnets being swung around. We're starting to see teams starting to formulate what is the rest of their season. It is past one third of the season, and this is typically when you really start to get a gauge of where what everyone is up to. Unfortunately, the Swans also in that conversation. So happy to go through all of those, mate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's very fascinating. I agree with you. We're we're eight round. We have nine rounds in we're basically a third of the way through the season and we kind of start to see the the ladder take shape we see who are going to be the most likely wooden spooners we're going to see the teams that everybody's talking about being your your grand final potential teams and then the middle section of this ladder is one of those that i think will fluctuate a lot and i still see some movement i don't think this is one of those where we can go even nine rounds in the eight is set. I don't think so. I still think there's going to be some movement. There's too many injury situations. I'm fascinated to see how this is going to go, but let's dive right into it. As you kind of said just a little bit ago, a fascinating Friday night game is the Richmond Tigers Absolutely. take down a depleted Geelong team. Let's let's be mm -hmm. honest there. I, you don't like giving excuses, but it is very true. This team was out with, with nine players off from the squad that won the premiership very, very recently. So thoughts on this one, because I thought this was the Richmond team. I think a lot of people saw in the off season Hopper mm -hmm. and Taranto come in, things kind of improve. You see Dusty Martin go forward and kind of use his magical powers up forward to kind of make mm -hmm. up for it. A wonderful, very good performance, very old school, 2017 Richmond like. Yeah, look, uh, it seems like Taranto has been finally had enough of Ken Corns talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and has come out there and actually swung himself around. 
Um, and 28 disposals. Um, he was definitely in there. 12 tackles. That's that's the key right there. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a man on a mission. That's a man that wanted to get the ball, and when he he was close to the ball, he wanted to put an impact on the game. And that was a a man who's allowed about that. And nine and sorry, six clearances. Like the guy was full on. Um, they've yeah, they've got a decent set of players. I mean, of course, when every time that they are taking in players from the AFL nursery in uh, GWS or Gold Coast, as Richmond have done the last few years, they're going to keep being popped up by a few extra decent players. When I say decent, I mean very, very decent players. And it's about time that they start doing something. They still have a lot of questions around the ground. Um, their forward line, although they can get off the chain, um, does have questions about it, but the, the engine room was working very, very well. And on the cats, and your point of that, the cats and their injuries, they do have an older, older team, and that's what everyone's been talking about the last two and a half years. Now, is this the time where you start to see them start to fall apart a little bit and start to like um, break up and not be able to come back fast enough from some of these old men injuries, perhaps? But it's yeah they, they've been so strong and so so good at maintaining their their old veterans that you never know what can happen from them so i i definitely put some question marks over what's going on with the cats because of some of the teams that they've lost against in this season um and especially early in the season i think they went through zero and three initially mm -hmm. um before yeah the, the swans game let's not talk about it um so <laughs> <laughs> so we can we've got some questions on that side of the thing what you can't question is the quality of the players there um the, the a tier but the b tier have probably some questions around those in particular but you know what did you see what did you think all about it i i, I it's one of those where the the cats i think they're, they're off season so many people lauded them you get views in the top you get views in the top pick you bring you bring in uh taylor bruin from from gws as well plus the hopper hopper and toronto mm -hmm. trades which Again, if you ask King Corns, Toronto is not worth not worth what he got for it. And again, that whether that particular debate is click worthy or not, again, I found that fascinating that King Corns seems to always find a way to pick on somebody in, in the other media and then gets into a fight. And then when you when you call him out for saying something dumb, he starts to kind of make it off like he didn't say it and it's fascinating yeah. <laughs> but we, we won't we won't get into that can of worms do i think the can do i think the cats are, are struggling a little bit yes I, th I think patty dangerfield was was in fuego there for a bit his loss mm -hmm. i think really does affect it is is joel selwood's veteran leadership changed this team a little bit him not being on the field i think a little bit but i don't think it's this massive change I think Hawkins early, one of the reasons that they struggled early is I think he was underdone. I don't think he was mm -hmm. fully ready to go. I think he yeah, started to kind yeah. of get himself back up to the, to that top level. But now now is the point where you kind of look at the young the young guard, the the um the Brian Myers, the the Tommy Stewart's, the Blitzoffs, the the secondary guys that the, the not the top tier guys, can they step up and make up for the fact that Cam Guthrie's out, Patty mm -hmm. the um, Patty's out, and, and can they? fill in till mid-season again we're nine games into the season i'm not going to sit here and go uh geelong geelong's not going to be able to defend their premiership if they can get healthy and i'd rather have patty out now than patty out round 17 18 going into the finals because he has less time to recover now you can let him recover maybe let him have a couple of weeks of training camp to get himself back fit and if you get a fully healthy patty patty dangerfield coming in around 18 round 19 that's dangerous for any team. So I, I, I'm not sitting here in panic stations for Geelong. Are, are they going to be further back in the mire than I think they want to be? Yes, but we'll have to see again. This is, this is a cat's team that you just, 
all last year we heard it too old, too slow, not not good enough. And mm-hmm. in the end, they were too good in the end of the year. So it's another one a lot like last year. I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to sit here and make a big call on the cats yet because they're a team that sometimes can get in fuego, especially late in the season. So let's jump up to it out to the West coast where again, the West coast has become the team that everybody puts up big numbers on big points on and the gold coast find a way to join that particular party with a 70 point win out in the West coast, one thirteen, forty three. 43, Finally, the Gold Coast get an impressive win. Finally, the Gold Coast actually live up to what I think a lot of people expected of them this year. I don't know about you, but this this is kind of that moment where Stewie Do in these next five rounds really needs to kind of get his guys if they want to compete for finals, if they want to be seen as a legitimate club. This is the time to do it. This may be your starting to get a lot of guys some confidence as we go into the next few rounds before we hit the bye. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Look, look at the next teams that they've got going on. They've got St. Kilda, uh, Geelong at Cardinia. Um, then they've got Richmond at home. So they've got three teams against three, sorry, three games against three teams that are all legitimately kind of definitely should be talking finals. So question mark over the Tigers, but still definitely should be talking about finals there before um, they play on, go on to play North Melbourne and hopefully effectively have a bye. So there is a fair bit for them to show I watched the game pretty intently on the quiet Gold Coast and GWS are kind of my um, secondary teams. They're like the, mm-hmm. the little brothers that I kind of, I kind of do want to see some success because I'm from New South Wales. Of course, it's a Victorian based sport. Um, I'd want to see the, the game expand. So I have a soft spot for those East Coast teams across the board. And uh, yeah, to be honest with you, the Gold Coast were pretty ordinary in that first quarter um, before they got slapped around by Stuart Jew in the, in the uh, post quarter chat. Um, and then they came out and they ended up scoring the extra 45 on top of it. And they just ran away with the game from there. So, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily convincing um, uh, from a full team effort, but it definitely was a good showing. And it's what that you're expected to do. They needed to go to the West and put up big numbers, play really, really hard. Um, and the fact that they didn't do it for that first quarter was a bit disappointing, but then they went on and then finished it off. So that, that should have been a 100 point uh, win, um, given the stakes of it. Um, but very, very happy. I agree with everything you said there. Stuart Jew would love to see a little bit of success coming up from Gold Coast. Um, on a little bit of a random story, I do go up to Brisbane every now and then for work. And the younger guys in the companies that I, I work for have all mentioned at different times that they go to AFL games often enough. And I'm like, you don't get rugby league or rugby union. They're like, well, nah, but AFL is the kind of new, the, the ones that the younger guys go to. And I'm like, hello. So that whatever success, uh, minimal success that the Gold Coast and Brisbane have had in the last you know, 15 years or whatever. Um, but couple that with the, uh, the COVID time and having the hub up there, having the grand final played out there, whatever it is that the AFL has done in Queensland, they've done a half decent job because definitely from a grassroots level, there's a bit of movement in AFL in a, in, in a, in a state that is predominantly NRL driven, that the NRL just basically locks that away and just suggests that is ours forever. We don't have to bother with it. AFL has made a couple of inroads for there, but yeah, I just want to see Gold Coast do well, basically. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, and and not just because Dewey D does have that connect does have that connection with the Swans, but just because mm. I, there's so much talent on that team, and they finally kind yep. of got they've kind of gotten some some grit in their team. Like guys like Tuke Miller, like I I hate not seeing oh, him out love there. Him. Yep. I absolutely love him. He's one of he's one of those. If I could if I could steal and bring to the Bloods, I would do it in a heartbeat because. Mm-hmm. 
because he's just that bull on the inside, a lot like Joey Ken- a lot like what Joey Kennedy was for the longest time. For us, he gets in, he gets the footy, he gets it out to his distributors, and he just he's not flashy. He just gets the job done. And I absolutely love that. So it, it sucks not having him out there, but seeing Matty Rowell kind of come back to when I think a lot of people were expecting after the start of his career, yep. Yep. kind of finally starting to find that groove that I think they're, they're going to be a team to kick off against, especially after the way the saints played in this last round. I think this is a cracking one for the, for, for gold coast coming up this round to where that confidence the Saints coming off their result, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, I the the, the it's set up quite nicely for that game. So I'm going to be fascinated on that. So, Matty okay. Rao, can I can I just give a little <laughs> bit of love to Matty Rao? Twenty nine touches, seventeen tackles. Mm-hmm. This kid is a monster. We knew he was going to be a monster, and uh, he came out year one, and we're like. Is he going to win the rookie and the Brownlow this year? And then you know, mm-hmm. a bit of inconsistency throughout the season, as you'd imagine from a first-year player. And year two, year three, like started put together in year three, year four, off to a flying start. So, yeah, I agree. I want to see a strong Matty Rao. Matty, Noah, Took, any of those guys could get shift off to any team and replace anyone in those starting mids. That's how good those three are. So let's... They've got a great engine room. There's definitely things to see. We just need the VFL to stop poaching their bloody players. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> very true. Very true. And and we know that, that we we know the secret to Matty Rell's powers now is having having a bit of grass from each of the places that he yeah. visits. So <laughs> that's right. The goat in many reasons at this point. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways. Uh, unfortunately, we what we, we have to talk about this. I know we are both Swans fans. Unfortunately, this yep. will this will not. I'm gonna go get a coffee, mate. I'm just gonna leave. Oh, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yep. we'll, we'll go to the SCG where the Fremantle Dockers, and again, a Frio is another team. I have a semi soft spot. I have a lot of Frio Fremantle friends who I went back and forth with on this night. And, and again, all respect, Fremantle was the better team. For, mo- for for this game, they just had it all going. The Swans again. the the injury The injury bug just seems to keep lashing us at the worst possible times. Cal Mills goes down early. Logan McDonald mm-hmm. goes down with an injury. A undermanned Swans team that honestly, even though this the, the score did bounce out to seventeen, I was never really scared that the Swans were going to get blown out. Like 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 maybe the Collingwood game the previous previous week where it, it kind of ballooned mm-hmm. a little bit towards the end. The Swans were in this. I just think in the end, being a, being down a rotation, having having one less guy on the rotation, I think they just ran out of steam. So I, I'm not as doom and gloom about this as so many people are. I know that, again, we, we hit another one. Buddy doesn't kick a goal, so now everybody's going, is Buddy played one year too long? Buddy's cooked. Yep. And I'm just like, I mean, I understand that he is, he is newsworthy, but mm-hmm. this this constant narrative and we can discuss this a little bit later in, in my burning questions, because I really want to get your thoughts on this. So, so we'll save that answer for a little bit later, but your thoughts on this game, because again, I'm not like doom and gloom on this. I saw some good things. I just think the execution just didn't work at times, which was something that was our staple with our pressure last year. Yeah, look, doom and gloom. I don't, I, I, I just put it to this way and I'd ask this one's fans to just, renegotiate your your expectations for this year mm-hmm. okay the finals are probably out the cards this at this point that's basically where it is up to um the next um our, my the other side of, be, of the bevy noddy did a really good post on facebook that basically broke down the next uh, all the injuries we had when they're coming back also all the games that are coming on 
we need to win X amount, and, and these are the players, these are the teams we're playing, and the likelihood, of like, you know. So we basically need to start putting aside what is going to be a premiership window and potentially a finals window. If they get finals, that's particularly good. Um, I've always had that as my expectation for this year, to be honest and honest with you. I always had um, the finals as being the benchmark. I never had us in the mm -hmm. top two, top four, top six, like others did. I said top eight is enough for me. We have a lot of young guys. We only need a couple of injuries in order to just go really badly. And we always had question marks over that forward line. Lo and behold, we've got question over that forward line. We've got injuries out the door and our young kids are, are hot and cold, like Stevens, for instance, as an example, uh, Juzzy as an example. And mm -hmm. you know, the one on the other side of the coin, hot is Errol right now. So, mm -hmm. uh, so we've got, this is an opportunity. Basically, well, let me get into the game in itself. We got smashed out of the centers. The center clearances are what really destroyed us. They were just walking through the center and um, they had the tall men in, in the back line to mark and we were just totally outmanned in the marking. Have a look at the game again. You got Braden Campbell, who I estimate is about 5'10". I, I saw him on the way out. He's about my height, so he's not that tall. 178 centimeters uh, for the Aussies. Um and he's not that tall and he's marked up against guys who are 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". So mm -hmm. you're never going to be able to compete in that back line where you've got those mismatches. And they did. They did a very good job of getting those mismatches and they just had pot shots at goal consistently. And we were just sitting back going, what are we going to do? Hickey coming back. Everyone was praised, praise the Lord. He's come back tall Jesus. He's back for us. And he wasn't enough as well to quell um, the issues there. Sean Darcy had an absolute field day. So Again, question marks basically across the board. What we do have, what we can lock down, what we should be confident with is our young core. And uh, we've got some very great young players. We get an opportunity now to throw some magnets around for this season. Where's Braden the best spot? Where's mm -hmm. Errol's best spot? Do we bring Stevens in a slightly different role? Do we utilize uh, Ollie Florence in different spots? Do we find an opportunity to get Blakey off his chain a bit more? Like he's had to dive in deep and still have really good games uh, no matter what. So it's an opportunity. We'll go about the buddy thing in, in the future, but it's, there's opportunity here, uh, despite us probably not winning too many games. The young kids on the on the money chart, the row bottoms, your Warners, the you know, Juzzy, not so much, but the last couple of games, yes. Um, you know, Gordon, Braden, uh, Logan, all of these players are looking very sharp. We should be mm -hmm. very, very proud of where our club is up to. We've got some pieces to fill in in the off-season and potentially in the mid-season draft. So that's the exciting part for us. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I'm not, I, I was with you. I thought final finals was my, at least make that because of the fact that you had had that, the discussion all the off season, the teams that get smashed, don't do that. Da, da, da. And I was just like, just make finals shut, kind of shut it down a little bit. Even if we don't win a final, whoop de doo I'm not going to make a big deal because I, I agree that even we even saw it a little bit last year. There was a little bit too, there was a little, there were, there were a few games where they were super hot and then they were super cold. And it was especially early. I think we benefited late in the year by playing a, a relatively favorable schedule down towards the end, which got them a ton of confidence. So then when they hit the finals, they could continue it. And I think this year is one of those, you get injuries in places you really can't afford to. And Armadi going, Armadi going down, Reed never seeing the field this year. And unfortunately, he's done for the season. Unfortunately, I think that might be career done. And I hate saying that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I hate saying that because I think Sammy Reed has been a stalwart for the club. I know he's been the bane of many Swans people for, for years, but <laughs> last year, legitimately, I loved the, him because he kind of shut up a lot of those people because he showed his 
importance. Was he great in front of goal? Absolutely not. No, I mean, no. there's nobody that can say that, but the guy had great hands and he was mm -hmm. reliable and he could do mm -hmm. what you needed him to do, whether forward or back. We were very much missing a re type at the moment exactly. to be able to get the ball to ground, get a contest in the air to get some of the young guys to use it where Hickey was doing that the last couple of years. We mm -hmm. have not had a ready to do that for this year. McLean's got the opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, Francis is, can do it, but he needs to get loose a bit and he's not going to have that opportunity because we're trying to find a spot for him. So yeah. Well, he's got to play I back. He's kind of play back because of Patty being out. I think that's the biggest that's right. there. Patty McCarthy McCart has really thrown, he's been, yeah, he's yeah. been practicing forward all season. Cause I yeah. think there was a little bit of a give that he was going to, he would, that Patty McCartan was going to be there. So it's like, you look at it, will Gould come in and I don't think he's been horrible. Like I think some people, some people bashed on him. I don't think he's been horrible. I just think he's had some matchups this game. He was just in a bad matchup. He's a, he's still a young player. He's still learning the AFL and he's going up against Tracy. Who's a really good lead. Jaya miss is really good at leading. So this was and then Luke Jackson has finally started to find his forward boots conveniently against us. So yeah. it, it's, it's frustrating. It was a frustrating game because it, it was just, you felt horrible for the back line because they did everything they possibly could do. But when Sean Darcy just has an all worldy ruck performance against ruck Jesus, and he was doing his damnedest to try to it, but it was just that Darcy would just, he would get the taps in just the right place. When you have Brayshaw, Sarong, and some of their mids that are really good quality as well. I mean, Parker was doing everything he could. Warner was doing everything he could. Robottom again was, was flying and tackling everything that he could. It just wasn't, an, it just wasn't enough in certain places. And I agree. This is a situation. Braden Campbell, I think, is playing out of position. I think he's a wing. I think Errol and him are wing type of players. You want to use their kicking ability. But the problem is, is that Juzzy's been really good out there and Errol's been good. Dylan Stevens has been. So it's like Campbell really doesn't have that spot that you think he'd be perfect. So it's like you've got several guys that can play the wing position, but they're not really center mids. They're not really center. They're not really halfback flankers and they're not really half forward flanks. So it's like they're really in a bad position because where they're really strong, they can't be because there's other guys that are just as strong and they can't. We've got an overload of wing players mm -hmm. and we're missing some positions that I think we, we need to kind of in the offseason look at. We'll have to kind of see how that goes again. Again, I'm not as doom and gloom i look at it as this is this is the tester season this is where horse earns his dollars of can he progress this group even in hard times so that'll be the fascinating yep. thing i and agree with that entirely another yeah. thing the, the fire horse thing i'm just like mm. oh, enough of that look how, <laughs> you're right horse makes his money at this point the horse is going to make his money when he's starting to move those bandits around this is yep. the time yep. where a coach that goes right let's and and don't put it up to the amount of wins from here on end look at the I progress agree. of the team Completely look at where agree. the team is and when we go you know what we found example we found uh you know tommy mccarden we found him in a new position where he's elite in we found blakey in a position where he's elite in you know we found gordon on the wing where he's starting to become elite in or becoming mm -hmm. his elite anywhere to play to be fair but um I agree this is the opportunity for horse and the team and the team of our coaches to really swing those mates around find positions for these players find the synergies that work mm -hmm. this is the time so it's the time for firing horses, not now, just because we haven't won. He's been trying so hard to get wins. And we just, the team effort has just not been there. When the effort was there, our execution was bad. The team on the on the ground was no good, no bueno. We just, they need to kind of figure mm -hmm. it out a bit more. But yeah, the money goes in here. At the end of the season, we still don't have position for these players. Sure, 
start asking horse to uh to go to pasture but not at the moment absolutely not at the moment yeah completely completely agree with that let, let, let him get through this season because i think there's still there's still some opportunities uh there for sure so we jump to it again as much as i love the talks once this is an af afo one on. so we'll, we'll move on <laughs> to another yeah. another absolute thrashing in, in this round does port adelaide get a 70 point win over north melbourne 135 65 and I gotta say, even down at even down in Tassie, Port Adelaide looked really, really good in this. I was I was relatively I'm relatively interested to see how this Port Adelaide team goes because again, we started the season and you started hearing unintentable thrown out for Ken Hinckley and this team isn't good enough. And I, I know I listened to a few podcasts out of South Australia and there was a lot of unrest in in Alberton. And now all of a sudden it seems to have disappeared as Hinckley has seemed to found the right group to go together the only thing that would concern me a little bit is his injuries up forward are starting to get a little concerning marshall is out dixon left this and dixon did not play in this game with a quad strain and to still put up 135 points is pretty impressive but i'm almost a tiny bit worried that is is port adelaide a little bit hurt now going forward because of some of the injuries now so again impressive win but I think my concern are more going forward because they're they're losing a lot of injuries up forward. Yeah, look, North came a little bit of a tiny little bit of love for North. North came out firing off at the mm-hmm. beginning. They went they went hard, um, and the the big man, the big strong bodies that they did have, uh, even missing, um, oh, what's his bloody well name? Uh, David Juniak. David Juniak and the other bloke, the older fella, uh, unit. Oh, oh Ben Cunnington, who they dropped. Ben Cunnington, thank you. Um, yeah, like two, arguably one, two of the better ones on the team, right? So um, without missing them. But uh, yeah, look, I think Port Adelaide did what they were meant to do. Uh, you're meant to go out there, have a strong, a strong showing to uh, the teams that are effectively fighting for Wooden Spoon at this point. Um, I just love watching the demise of North uh, North Melbourne just quietly because of the booing of Goodsy on his last game. I'll leave that there. So sorry for all the North Melbourne supporters that you have and listened down into this and have had to deal with the bloody jaded uh, Swan supporter. Um, but all in all, look, mate, it, it is a it is a a Port Adelaide team that's kind of quietly just kind of fun to watch as well. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gritty. Um, that wet game against, I think, with the Bulldogs uh, that was a few weeks ago was like, I think, a, a, a conjoining uh, game for them uh, where they really found a way to, uh, they really found a way to play together to really get to those strengths, to like con- combine themselves in a really beautiful way with some young players just being absolute starlights on a very tough game. Um I don't think there's questions about the the team. The forward line, as you said, is a mess um, and haven't been really something to get too excited about. Charlie Dixon's never been convincing um, apart from a couple of years there. So I don't know, from here on end, it's a bit of a hard, hard one for me. I don't really know how to feel about Port Adelaide other than I love some of their players. Of course, Aaliyah, Aaliyah mm-hmm. X1, um, doing great things over there. Uh, Jason Horn Francis, he's got a big career ahead of him. Sam Powell Pepper, what do you say? You know, you've got some really lovely pieces um, going on. Connor, of course, Butters and Connor Rosie, forget about it. Like, they're, they're incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Ollie Wines coming in, a whole new world. So they're a really exciting team as a football fan to watch. Um, unfortunately, they are operated by Koshi, who's hard to deal with, but he's <laughs> <laughs> hard to work with. But, um, yeah, they're a really exciting team. Uh, I think it just continues to show that North are not in a position at all to be in the conversation for anything other than wooden spoon at this point they they are not convincing they don't have the players to do so they're not even that young um 
it's just there's just a lot of questions and let's look from the top down they've got questions over their uh, coaching um especially the, the the dark clouds over the racism um sweet that's going over clark's at the moment from his time in hawthorne there's a lot of questions about those guys so yeah it's it's not convincing but at the same time north i don't see also getting up i see them dragging their their, their anchor uh but you know, Port Adelaide do have an opportunity to kind of maybe make a good run at this one. I look forward yeah, to it. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And then the fact Tom Jonas kicked his second goal in his entire career in, in this game. He had mm. made me made me made me smile a little bit to see an old grizzled defender get get a goal <laughs> in the game. So I, I got to <laughs> smile a little cool. bit. It's it's always yeah. really cool. I think second goal in his entire career and he's he's got over like hundred and fifty games or something. I'd have to look up the statistic, but it was kind of two hundred and ten games. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah and, look at and that. He kicked, yeah, and he kicked his it. first he kicked his first goal early and he hasn't kicked it. He took this long for a second goal. So, so <laughs> tiny shout out to Tom Jonas on that yeah. one. So yeah, yeah. Statistical uh, anomaly. And, and just to FYI for everyone, Nick Smith, the fantastic small back for the Swans, yeah. uh, number 40, um, he kicked two in his first ever game. So, right. So at that point, he played 200 and something games. So he should have been one of the best goal kickers of all time, but he didn't, he just didn't run to his, his, uh, his standard. Right. So that's where mm -hmm. the statistical anomalies come into. So yeah, Jonas, good on you, mate. <laughs> well, the one thing you got, you knew about Nick Smith was the best small for the best small forward was the one he took and he's intend to always made him a little bit quieter than they Eddie normally Betts. were. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Eddie, Eddie Betts, Sil Rioli, he, he got some, he got yep. some of the best of the best and he was really, really good. So always, always loved Nick Smith for sure. So we'll jump down to the MCG as the Hawks take another butt whipping by the Melbourne demons, 103 49. The D's again show why they are one of the teams being talked about as, as a grand final, as a grand final contender. But I, I gotta say, I, I think the Hawks, they didn't, they didn't disappoint me. In the effort category, they came out. They didn't just roll over against a really good D's team. They 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 put some fight into it. The D's were just too good. Yeah, look, I think they had what was that? They had some pretty good scoring shots in that third. Um, they they came out at halftime and were just effort, 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 um, and and seemed to have just uh, outworked Melbourne in some of those bases. So, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think Hawthorne are horrendous. I do think that they are. They are basically. Anchoring them themselves down to uh to that last spot there to get that hot player, but yeah, what do you say about the D's, mate? Like the D's are in my eyes favorite at this point. Um, they just have all the pieces, uh, albeit that forward line. Um, so yeah, like they've got pieces there. They've got they've got healthy players. Again, health, right? If you mm -hmm. lose one or two of those main players that you have there, if you lose a Petraka, you lose a Viney, uh, you lose an Oliver. Um, the whole the whole structure of their game changes. The the strength that they have as being these big bodied nids and being able to drive the ball forward, reef it out of people's hands, tackle hard, you know, get pressure on players. That that core of what they do gets shaken up severely, just like the Swans with their backline. So mm -hmm. we it is a big question mark over them. Can if they stay healthy, mate, they are they go all the way in my eyes but if they don't then that's when they really got to work out a way to do it do they have players on the wings uh on the fringes let me use a different term especially when we're talking afl you know they have players on the fringes that can come in and probably pad them up um probably um i'm not a big uh, vfl uh, melbourne demons knowledge so I, I look forward to seeing them the rest of the season mate that that midfield is just fun to watch uh, mm -hmm. even as a trying to be a neutral supporter they, they are they are a fun fun team to watch in that midfield 
Well, and it always helps when you have two almost all-star Ruckman and Grundy and gone going in there, helping tap Absolutely. it down their throats. So not only is it a really good midfield, but when you've got probably the best one-two combination of Ruckman, it, it right there instantly gives you an advantage. And then you throw a forward line that can do a little bit of everything with Bailey Fritch, Kazi Pickett, uh, Ben Ruyan, who, 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 who played in this game, who I, who I have huge wraps on. I think the kid is going to be absolutely fantastic. This mm-hmm. it's a D's team that literally you got to pick your poison of what's going to, what's going to hurt you because you're not going to stop them. You just got to hope that they're off. It's kind of yeah. the way I kind of see it is they're, they're them Geelong when they're healthy and Collingwood right now are the three teams that you talked about. One of those two, the two of those three will be in the grand final, unless heck, unless all heck breaks loose which again anything is possible we're only nine games in so but i i'm with you they're they're my they're my top favorite i had them in the grand final in the off season so it'll be fascinating to see so we jump to another team that which is a great transition another team that a lot of people talked about as a grand final contender and the brisbane lions up at the gaba take down the bombers 87 45 and again, home sweet home for the Lions at the Gabba. They mm-hmm. just always find a way to win. Joey Danaher goes Bunta again, which is, is always fascinating to see the, the lanky superstar play well. Again, yeah. a, a deep midfield, a, a very talented one. Oscar McInerney is an underrated Ruckman, just like Jared Witts of the Gold Coast is another one that you just don't 100%. hear him talked about. But he just does what he needs to. He does it effectively, and he's got a really good aerobic ability to stay in games. He's not off very often, so Lions just too good for this. I think Essendon's kind of coming back down to earth a little bit after kind of a really hot start. Um, so I, I'm fascinated to see how that goes. But your thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, I, at the Bombers, I've always had questions about how the way they go um, about their team generally. So I, I'm not too surprised that they're starting to be figured out at this point i think brisbane were very very strong like six goals with danny get out of here but mm-hmm. danaher is basically doing what he should be doing against mismatches against teams that don't have a, a, a story for him um so we are expecting him to put up numbers of three you know two three four every single game consistency and he's consistently and he's starting to do it what i loved about the early season with the lions generally is that their forward line was arguing with each other about the way the structure was you know there was yelling and screaming and they were making a big deal about it on tv but that's the point that's the point of giving very quick messaging to someone like get that ball you know that's a man who wants to see the ball. who wants to get goals. That's what you want to see. Why are we taking that away from him? And then we're starting to see some good stuff going on from there. I like, I love, I, I kind of like their team. I like Brisbane. As I said, the East coast is doing all right. And so they, this is the run that they need to start getting on. Um, this is this kind of quality of team, uh, quality of playing that they need to have in order to have a good shot at the end. Um, do they have, are they as good on paper than some of the other teams? I, absolutely. I think they absolutely are. So, we do have some really fun uh, watching of Brisbane. I'm just having a quick look about the next teams they play to see. So they got Gold Coast next week. Um, that should be a pretty interesting team given a game, given both of them um, where they stand. And then thereafter, sorry, they've got Adelaide and that's the big showing. That's the mm-hmm. game that I'd be like, if you want to make a big show, you want to show everyone where you're up to beat Essendon and Adelaide in, uh, in three weeks. So, find out where Brisbane is in their season. But yeah, they love it at home. I, I'm, I'm happy. I can't wait to see them at home one day. 
Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. They get up to the Gabba, and I said one time in a podcast, and I really agree that they become the triple. The, they become the triple premiership team. They just can't be beaten. It seems like <laughs> it's really fascinating. <laughs> they go. They Roll go back the clock. Yeah, exactly. They go on the road, and they're a little suspect at times. But at home, they just they seem like they're absolutely unbeatable at times. It, it's absolutely insane so but i agree they're fun to watch will ashcroft an absolute legend for such a young kid just mm-hmm. like nick just like nick dacos again one of those that just they, they were built for afl they, they are just the afl caliber player they were never going to play vfl they were never going to play seconds or reserves they're going to be big time players from the uh, from the jump and that is what will ashcroft has been their offseason dunkley has been a great Dun- addition mckenna has finally yeah. i think finally gotten back into afl mode after a couple of rounds he was a little iffy early in the season mckenna started to play well harris andrews playing well jack Payne showing why they're not as worried they're not as worried defensively because Payne has been such a great defensive for great defensive um intercept marking he's great one-on-one defender he he's one of those i i think he'll need a little bit more love as the season goes on because he's such a good one-on-one defender against big body forwards like a harry mckay and a charlie colonel like he did last week so great transition to back down to victoria as carlton's woes continue as they fall to the doggies by 2079 59 and I almost kind of say this, Chris, I'm almost kind of thankful as a Swans fan that Carlton's struggling because I think some of the Vic media are going to jump on Carlton a lot more than, than Sydney. I know Sydney mm-hmm. has the, the grand final loss, but it is fascinating how the dogs are out on Carlton a little bit because of this struggling. I mean, I'm even hearing people discuss whether Voss was the right guy. Oh, okay. Voss is probably the right guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a, I don't think he's a very, very good coach. And I think he's a good man manager, but um, look, the general things really concern me about Carlton uh, outside of what happened at the game. Um, it's just a talk. Like the talk is like, you know, oh, if we don't make finals, things happen. It's like, that's not the talk. That's not the chat. The, the chat is we're making finals. That's what the game is here for. That's what we're here for. We're here to win. To, for them to be like the week before playing a contender, because ultimately they and the Bulldogs should basically, if every, on everyone's cards had them you know, next to each other or top or within three spots or four spots, they were mm-hmm. in the mix between each other of expectations. Walking into that game amongst yourselves saying, oh yeah, there's not a big deal here. That's concerning. It's the team that you're meant to beat in order to get in the finals. You should have been going, This is we're going to go at it, you know, with a, Whatever, whatever you got to say to pump up your team. So that was really con- disconcerting um, for me as what's going on over there. I mean, you've got good players over there, Crisp, um, Crips. You've got Walsh, Sam Walsh over there, um, Doherty, you know. But they just, they just, just, I, I just don't know what the hell to do with that freaking team. Like I watched them and I'm like, good things happen. But then it's just brain fades across the board. They kick it to the wrong bloke. They don't they don't tag up in this one guy. They let someone loose on the other side. So maybe I'm maybe I'm just t- talking myself out of, of acknowledging maybe Vossi isn't the bloke, but whatever the hell's going on over there, it is just not working. It's not the quality of the team either. It's just the execution. Uh, the execution is just not there. There doesn't seem to be any movement forward and sometimes. And when they do get up forward, when it all comes together, it's freaking crazy you know charlie kono is just going bananas like but then when there's other times when the going gets tough in the inside they don't have a plan to back up with they just then start throwing it backwards they start going sideways the other team knows they're in panic mode they start marking up they start spoiling it and they start getting themselves forward so they've got a genuine problem probably with their 
their B strategy um, more so than anything else. But yeah, don't question the players on the ground. They're all really good. Jacob Wiedering, far out, like really come into his own as well. Um, again, for another freaking season. I'm pretty sure he's already won an AA at this point. So he's on his way mm-hmm. to doing another one, I'd say. But yeah, like doggies, like they have, they were up in, in in everyone's chat about how good they could have been. They had a pretty disappointing season to begin with, but they are starting to get red hot. Um, and, and led by the captain Bontepelli, who's probably one of the best players in the in in AFL right now, top three, top four, I'd say. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, you can't say anything. T- t- take nothing away from them. They're they're doing really well. Yeah, if it weren't for Nick, if it weren't for Nick Dacos and Jeremy Cameron, Bontepelli would be leading. I think would be leading the Brownlow. Like mm-hmm. it, that's that's how well he's that's how well he's playing. When it comes to Carlton, just really quickly, it, it's fascinating to me that a team that has Sod and Doherty and Nick Newman and some of these really good, quick, very good kicking defenders struggled to go forward quickly. Like, and when you have guys like Harry Mackay and Charlie Colonel, two really good marking forwards, mm-hmm. and especially Mackay, who who is who's found his way up the ground a little bit more, it is fascinating how slow they go. It, yeah. it is it is infuriating to me when you've got a one-on-one beast like Charlie Colonel in the forward fifty, and you kick three kicks sideways before you go forward. I'm like. Yeah come on you have sod you have doherty you have guys that can really kick the ball well you've got solid players in the mid crips walsh chera kennedy some really really good distributors and you're lazy with the footy going sideways and taking the easy way out instead of being a little aggressive because sometimes when you're aggressive if you hit that kick things open up if you hit the Mm -hmm. corridor your whole forward 50 that gives your forward so much more space to work with so if i'm Voss, i grab the i grab the footies i grab the whistles tell them to get the mouth guards in and get the pull their heads in because Mm -hmm. this is too talented a list to be where they are yes they're still in yes they're still around the eight i think they still have a shot to if they can get it together but it's just the fact that again, this is a great list, a, a pretty good, well-coached team that just execution-wise is just not doing what I think its its strengths could be if they actually do it. So I'll be fascinated to see this Voss kick him in the ass this week and go, "Hey, let's go, ball movement, let's go, be aggressive." Almost a Collingwood. I know it's really weird to say that. Be Collingwood. Mm-hmm. Attack the corridor, attack a little bit because you know what? We're going to give up goals, but we've got two guys down there that can kick 13 combined, 14, 15 combined. If they get service, we've got to be able to give them that opportunity. So it'll be fascinating to see how it goes. I, I look at the next few games as well. Sorry, Carlton fans. You've got Collingwood next week. Then you've got Sydney. Well, you'd be uh, easy game at this point. Um, I don't know about that. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you never know, right? We, we, we turn it on for the teams that we we, we, we kind of need to. Uh, Melbourne after that, uh, and you've got Essendon after that. So you've got a run of four teams that are all pretty dangerous. It could look pretty dire mm-hmm. for Carlton fans in four weeks' time. Um, it could look pretty rough. So they've got to figure it out bloody well quickly because it's going to be a tough time for Carlton fans if they drop even three of those or, or two, even two of them. So yeah, definitely walking outside the eight at that point. Yeah. It'll be definitely fascinating for sure. Uh, I'm in, they're another one that I keep, that I'm going to keep an eye on because the, the communicate the Victoria, Victoria and the Victoria media are going to eat it up if, if they continue to struggle, which oh, yeah. 
may, may in some situations for Sydney may be a little bit of a blessing in disguise because it'll take it'll take a little bit of the pressure off off the Swans again. Sorry, Carlton fans, but that's just the that's honest true. truth. That's Victorian what, big Victorian say. team with a lot of expectation starts struggling. The Victorian media are going to be on it like like a dog on a three legged cat. So, yeah. all right, <laughs> jump over to the Adelaide. You jump over to the Adelaide Crows where the Crows show why a lot of people are starting to warm up to this Crows team as an absolute blitz on the Saints, and the Saints never really could recover. 52-point win by the Crows, 121-69. And I'm telling you, sir, I'm starting to come around that this Crows team is a legitimate finals contender, is a legitimate tough out going forward if they can stay healthy when Tex Walker is kicking five and playing like he like his. A and like an all Australian Saligo, um, um, Isaac Rankin, uh, mm-hmm. Dawson, McElhaney, which I find it fascinating as, as a Swans person. I almost wanted to tell several of my Crows people go, Now you know why Kinnear Beatson and uh, we bid for him when we did in the draft because he is showing Kinnear Beatson to be a genius with yeah. his performances on there. So, Crows fans. A little bit, a little bit from from a Swans fan is that this is the reason why Kinnear Beatson is one of the best because you you matched our bid and you're looking really smart for it, but we're looking like geniuses for doing it. So <laughs> yeah, when Beatson when Beatson puts his cards on a player, you can more or less hang your hat on that. That's that's the truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely for sure. Your thoughts on this because I think the Crows do it. They they blitz early, and if you can't recover from it, they they'll they'll just they'll continue to run away on you. They become a track meet after a while. Yeah, look, Adelaide, look. I've never been convinced by St. Kilda full stop. So I'll, I'll leave that there for this whole season. Um, it's easy to say after a win like this, and I'm coming onto the podcast only now. Uh, and to be fair, I only talk <laughs> swans every week. Uh, so I don't have an opportunity to uh, give too much of my thoughts about the rest of the, the season, but rest of the team, sorry. Um, but I have not been convinced too much about what St. Kilda has been doing. One thing about the Crows is they'll score goals. They won't stop it though. Um, let's look at the example, 19-7. Um, so 26 shots at goal. They were moving it forward fast and hard. And those boys at the forward line were getting it in. I mean, don't necessarily look at what Rankin's done with the goals he scored, although I think he scored two or three, two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's what he does outside the ball. We're getting pressure on on those back guys. So they really struggle and they get multiple entries inside 50. So that's that's what the, the, the Crows are very good at. They don't let it go back too far because they kind of can't, to be honest with you. Um there was the scoreline does show 52, but the scoring shots, um, they did kick seven, 19 7. So very, very, very sharp Adelaide up forward. So it was, I don't necessarily see that Adelaide crushed them, um, but I would definitely say that Adelaide style of play is definitely dangerous because they, when they get on you, as you suggest, they really get on you. Um, and let's look at uh, our boy. Um, He's having a Dawson. He's having an absolute walk-on start into the AFL AA, um, and he may even be talking about captain. That's how freaking good he's been playing. Mm-hmm. No surprises. And from a Swans fan, if we're going to drag it back in the Swans media, the guy went over. There wasn't enough money for him at the Swans. Let's be fair. He went over to his hometown, and why wouldn't you? You get paid to play for your hometown and get made captain, and to play the way that he's been playing. Mm-hmm. Forget about it. Like, of course, he's going to make that choice it. every day. And- 
and to use the skills that he had. We knew he had a, an Absolutely. incredibly good left foot. I mean, he had, he, unfortunately he was stuck behind a midfield that he just couldn't break into. I mean, when you yep. looked at, when you look at the midfield, when he was playing with us, he had to play that halfback, halfback flanker, almost center halfback role because you had Parker, you had Kennedy, you had Hewitt, you had Robottom, you had Warner, you had all of these really good midfielders there. He just couldn't break in there, and now he can go. He can be a wing. He can be the half center half back. He can be in the center square. He can kind of be that rotational player that the Swans really couldn't afford him to be because they already had guys that were just a little bit better at the time. He's he's matured again. He's such a good kick. Like he's he's one of the guys I really miss because he had such a perfectly pinpoint accurate kick that he was great out of that halfback line to 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 kind of explode the Swans forward. And he's done the same thing with the Crows. So again, I'm happy for him that he's found a place. It's the same thing with Alir Alir, same thing with Georgie Hewitt and Nick Newman at Carlton. I'm happy they found a place that they're really, really successful. I've never been one of those, I don't like you because you left the Swans. I've never mm-hmm. been that way because I just want them to be successful. And, yeah. and especially like, I remember some people going, well, why didn't we keep George Hewitt? I go, Robottom, Warner, Goulden. I, mean, I, I can give you names if you'd like. Marcus, me. long contract. Parker, Joey Ken, Joey Kennedy at the time. I, was like, I can give you reasons why. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. in, in if we would have kept Georgia Hewitt and let Joey Parker go, people would have lost their freaking skull, skulls at the time. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the way that. Absolutely. Is. Now that we've we've gone right back to Swans TV, unfortunately, but again, the Crows. This is a great team again. Stump, Stumpy Laird is, is is an incredible player again. I, I'm just fascinated to see how this team continues to go as the season goes. They're a fascinatingly fun watch, especially, like I said, when Tex Walker is on. He's incredibly, incredibly good again. So it'll be fascinating to see how it goes. But we'll jump from that to, I mean, we we, we experienced it. We experienced it last week. Collingwood and, and the craziness that is the Collingwood Magpies. Take on our rivals, the GWS Giants. Yeah. Nice little 65, 65 point win, 120, 55. Nick Dacos gets off the chain. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan Clark is the only one that can tag him and keep him under 30 at this point. He goes for 41 again in the, in this game. Nick Dacos again is is continuing to bolster that opportunity to potentially be a Brownlow medalist in only mm-hmm. his second season. Yeah. And I think look, I, yeah, sorry to drag it into Swans world again, but it is four, I think it was 43 <laughs> then 25 when the player Swans when Clark was on him and then 41. Yep, 41. Again, so so there's no doubt that definitely there's a Clark influence, and I think quite a lot of them were in that fourth quarter. So you can tag the boy. You can. You can. Mm-hmm. Is it worth your while is the next question. Is those 41 disposals effective enough? And from just watching him with the eyes, yeah, bloody well, seems pretty effective. He always manages to get the ball going forward. So, ah, uh, man, the, the Collingwood, unfortunately, for the rest of AFL fans out there, is actually a team you can get behind these days. Mm-hmm. They have gotten rid of Eddie, which is the best thing about football. Unfortunately, it just allows for him to talk more on TV. But he is... <sighs> But having him out, they've done some great things with the club in leadership, um, the stuff that they did with Nicky Winmar, the apology to Buddy, mm-hmm. albeit you can question why building has happened. I'm happy to have that conversation, but it's a new look Collingwood team. And Mason Cox is a wonderful gentleman. Uh, Darcy Moore seems like a very wonderful young man. So they they seem like a really cool club. And their football on the field is exciting to watch. It's really fun to watch. <laughs> and is. I'm sorry to say that on behalf of all AFL fans that don't support Collingwood, they're a fun team to watch. Get into it. So 
I think, I don't know if they're necessarily the benchmark because they have such a unique set of players. You know, you've got Steel Cybot and you've got Pendlebury, you've got, then you've got the Dacos, you've got the Tom Mitchell, you've got your Dugowies, you've got Nobles, you've got all these random players who have totally different skill sets in these positions. They just make perfect sense for them. Mm. This is a coaching situation. This is finding spaces for very good players and decent players for them to work in absolute synergy. This is the drive. Yes, you lose two of those players, then that energy, that engine room, maybe doesn't get to go up forward enough. But but what it does is so exciting. What they are managed to do and just reef the ball and just get it moving and get these young guys just swinging on the outside so bloody well fast, good kicking skills, reef guys from the inside, good tackle pressure, pressure on the forwards. Like, mate, they are such an exciting team and they've got all the pieces working right now. Let's see if they can keep this going for the rest of the season, definitely. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I I think that they're they're not unbeatable. I I think the, yep. the the talk early in the year that they were so unbeatable. It's like I think we kind of saw in the game in the game at the Gaba. If you can if you can kind of attack their attacking style, you can actually get them to turn the ball over, which you can then if you're effective going on goal, you can you can really hurt them. So, and I think Collingwood occasionally can be quite wayward if you put pressure on their forwards. And the interesting thing about them is, is that they are a little bit of an oddball because if you look at their forward line, because Darcy Cameron is still hurt, so it's only Mason Cox really that's their forward, they're not a really tall forward line. No. After Ash Johnson, they're relatively short. I mean, it's it's Bobby Elliott, it's it's Elliott, it's Hill, it's Ginevan. I mean, and, and it's uh, Bo McCreary. So it's not exactly twin tower. It's not like facing Carlton with two twin towers and then a couple of mosquitoes. It's... One tower if Cox goes forward and then a bunch of it's almost the Richmond style mosquito fleet forward line where it's a ton of really quick, really good small forwards that takes up the rest that takes up the rest of the group. Ash Johnson's a little bit taller, got really sticky hands, but he's pretty good pressure player. So I, I I'm one of those. I love watching Collingwood play because they are so entertaining as an American. And again, this is a little bit of, I love Coxie being successful <laughs> because I think yeah, it absolutely. is kind of, a, it's almost kind of a, 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 a stick it up bent uh, uh, BTs a little bit after kind of the, the BS that he kind of did with our Canadian player that used to play for the Swans that he made some comments about people from other countries aren't always as good. It, it was like, I kind of love seeing him be successful. Like I love Coxie being successful because he has stepped in and done something that I don't think anybody would have thought possible. And he did no, it with no experience. I mean, he didn't even play USAFL over here. He went straight from yeah. college yeah. basketball walk-on to combine to Collingwood via Collingwood to Collingwood VFL to AFL. That that was his road. There was no USAFL. There was no footy early days, like like many of us over here in the states that we get it mid twenties and so on and so forth. And then somehow would find no he. I mean, he went straight to the big time, and he is totally and completely killing it right now. He had a, an incredible game this weekend, and I love seeing that because seeing him successful, I think, only helps maybe the game over here, the 60 minutes that we had over here, was it as big as I wanted it to be? No, I, I think there were some things that they missed when it came to connecting to the local league, not just AFL, but we, we won't go on that diatribe on this one. I've already kind of had that conversation a little bit with some people. So I get Collingwood, great team. I agree with you that they're, they're, 
you hate admitting it, but they are fun to watch. They're, 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 they're an exciting, they're an exciting team. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. Their midfield is just, as soon as you think you got them figured out, they can roll and dig Nick Dacos in steel side bottom can come in. The other Daco, Josh Dacos can go in and go out on the wing. Pendlebury is just so cool, calm and collected. I mean, they, they subbed him out in this game. That was how well they were doing. They could sub him out and he wasn't angry. He was okay. I'm good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I agree yeah. with you. Darcy Moore being a captain has been a revelation that the, the, yep. the outside connection with not only their fans, but then the whole footy community, I think has been much better because of um, fly and because of Darcy Moore, I think they're a much more lovable group. Do I still say, do I, and I'm only going to say this once, do I still say that there are still some people that refuse to admit that one of the things that really started the booing was connected to Collingwood. I won't say anything else after that, that mm -hmm. there's some selective memory sometimes with some Collingwood fans that I saw online this week. And I'm like, you're, you don't get it. Like, yeah. I'm not going to come on here and, and say what I probably could. I'm just going to, I'm going to let it go because I read your words and I think you, I think you're trying to say one thing, but you don't understand how it can be really translated like this. I'm not going to go there, but I'm just going to say, be careful sometimes when approaching this topic, because it is a little bit of a slippery slope if, if you approach it in certain ways. So look, I will say this much. I think the club has done it on their behalf. I think the club has done the right thing on behalf of the members, each member. And I'm going to say it flat out. Each member is not a racist, right? I'm not suggesting that. Mm -hmm. But there is connotations to it and the history that has come with some of the booing in the past that Collingwood has initiated. It deserved for Collingwood to make a statement there and they did and I'm proud of them and they, that's what they needed to do. So this is effectively the apology for Goodsy. This is effectively the apology to we got it wrong, we're going to get it right from here on end. Mm -hmm. You're never going to hear them apologize for Goodsy. That's never going to happen. But what you are going to hear and what you did see and hear is their actions starting to take place that they've learned a lesson this is what we need to take on as the AFL and we need to be proud of what they've done so far and just, and accept it and, and, and roll with it. And yeah, Collingwood fans, you don't want us to boo, boo give an event, then don't blue our players, mate. That's as simple as that. Right. So just let's all move on. Let's get the right thing going. We're here to watch footy and uh, we're proud of where Collingwood is at the moment. And we mm -hmm. need that to keep going. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not a one, I'm not a booer. Like I hate booing. I think booing is, is classless. I think, I think it shows a lack of intelligence. The, the person, again, personal opinion here. Mm -hmm. Everybody's allowed to, when you pay your ticket, you are allowed to do certain things. Now you're not allowed, not allowed to scream fire in a heavy, heavily, heavily loaded room. And you're not allowed to be an absolute complete and utter moron when it comes to it. You really shouldn't. But unfortunately, some people still do when it comes to the Ginevan thing. My perfect response is to this. The guy openly admitted he was getting away with cheating and he was happy about it. Some people aren't going to take it that way. Whether he was or not, that's the million dollar question. I never I don't think some of the fans there knew that he was hurt. So that's kind of that. Is it accepting of it? No, I didn't like it. I, I really hated it. But again, I'll be honest, there's dickheads in every single fan base. There's no there's no fan base that's not going to have a dickhead in it. And somebody's going to say something stupid. So yep. that is all I'll say. It <laughs> It is not the same thing. It, it is really not the same thing. So the people comparing it, it is just nowhere close. So yep. we will. Let's now. <laughs> 
I, I love these conversations. They're always fun. So we'll, we'll jump to it. That is all nine games through, again, a fascinating round nine, a little bit of everything. So we jump to what I call burning questions. These are questions that I, I, I must ask because I've been thinking about it since the last game has been done. We kind of discussed it a little bit. First question, are the Crows a legit contender this year or are they benefiting from some games where they're playing some weakened top tier teams? I think they've got enough veterans within their team to be able to play a consistent brand of football. Um, they've got some very classy players in their team to be able to play a consistent game of football, as in each player will play their role. I don't, at some point, they're going to be worked out in that they're going to have more pressure, less time to use the ball, can't get it up forward and not have those many shots to go. Like I said, their back line, I have questions over. So are they a contender? I think they're an absolute contender for the next few years. I think they're going to be, they're a very good team for the next couple of years. They've got a couple of grisly vet veterans that they'll need to find a spot for them as they, as they probably start to battle some injuries. But I'm excited about them the next couple of years for this year. I'd say, I definitely say as long as they get into finals, that is a, that is a, a B plus basically for where the crows were. I'd be really happy with that. So contenders, I think they can knock off some high uh, teams. I think they'll really shake up the league. Um, but I, they may be a little inconsistent along the way uh, if they do get worked out. That's where I see them. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I don't think this year is the year I go flag contender. This is the year mm -hmm. I think get into finals, maybe get a win, maybe somehow squeak your way into a preliminary final. And I think that's a successful season. I think in the next two or three years when some of these young, really good, talented, young Crows players get up and get going even better, I think that's when they're going to be in that flag window, as some would say. So... So I'll completely with you. Uh, we'll go over to the other team that the, the other team kind of the opposite um, on the forum ladder, Carlton. Is it already a lost season or is, is it some, is it something or, or, or are we kind of waiting for something else to drop? I don't like calling a lost season, especially for a team like Carlton that have the pieces there. Um, if I were to use the, again, a Swans analogy, we went zero and six one year and still went mm -hmm. into the finals. So like, you you can draw it back. You can absolutely figure it out. You can go forward. You can start really getting hot. So I think Carlton, but I mean, that's such an anomaly to make that happen. And a Carlton mm -hmm. basically needs to find a way to play that consistent football, to change the brand of football, to not let them panic. As soon as the game is relatively close or even a contest is relatively close, they get the loose end of it. They don't, they don't turn a contest in their direction. They don't turn a game slowly in. They don't muscle it into their way like some other teams can do. So I don't know with Carlton. Again, they just get to get into finals. There is no excuse. They're in the window. This is the window for them to be at their better. This year, next year, um, they've got to get themselves in the final, get some time in there, and basically shut up all the, all the rest of the supporters and the pundits. That's, it's, it's the most important thing. I think a lot of what's going on at Carlton is between the eyes. It's in the brain. Mm -hmm. um, there's just a bit of a, a bit of head buggery over there. So I, I would love to see Carlton kind of get moving a bit more so we can just talk about other things that are more important. But, um, <laughs> but I'm sick of hearing about Carlton and, and their worries. I, I like some of their players over there. Um, but do they have it in them? Mm -hmm. I'm going to flat out say that um, – if, if they get in, it's going to be a close one towards the end of the season. And more likely, honestly, I don't see them making finals. I'm going to put that down on paper now. I, I don't think the way this, the way this season has started, I don't think you're too much of a stretch. So the last question I always, when I have somebody from a certain podcast, I tend to be a little bit more focused on that team just to let them stay in their realm of comfort. 
So we'll stay into it. And it's the reason that I didn't discuss it during the game is, is it really annoying? Is it as annoying to you as it is to me that anytime buddy doesn't have a goal in a game that people are always calling to saying that he's either played one too long or the swans just need to sit him. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the even swans fans themselves, we ask this question of ourselves all the time. And then the answer is always who do we replace him with? Who goes in that spot? Let's have a look at our VFL team. There is no one, no one knocking on the door for that forward line for the VFL team. We are less effective in the forward line in VFL than we are in AFL, and that's saying something. So we 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 do not have the depth to just kick Buddy out and suggest that he's done his last season. There's no Amati. And and even then, then what other name do you have to roll in there? There's no one, right? We've got a small couple few small guys that younger guys that can potentially come in, but they're 18, 19 years old. They've played their first season of VFL. So we are not in a position to just boot buddy out and suggest that we've got, we're going to have a better team for it. So that's where I'd leave really that. Now to the question of where we stand with the VFL, and I suggest VFL because it's mostly Victorian media talking about this, um, that they just want to talk about buddy all the time. That's no surprise. I think the best thing that ever happened to them because they had a whole week to talk about it was that buddy got booed at the Collingwood game. So the biggest club that everyone pays attention to with the biggest player arguably in the, in the game um, in a situation of, 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 of um, conflict. Yeah, man, VFL media jumped on that. They had the best time ever. So it's not a surprise. I think buddy's used to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it was this week, it was, you know, he tried to play on and they saw that coming because he's been playing on a lot lately because he doesn't trust his set shot. Um, the week before he gets booed. The week before that, he misses goals entirely, just freaking misses everything. So he's absolutely not at his standard. Swans fans, he is not. He's mm-hmm. not at his standard. He's definitely ready for pass down. There's no doubt about it. I don't think he gets a contract after this year, but who do you replace him with right, right now? There is no mm-hmm. one. So get used to it. You're going to see Buddy throughout the entire season, especially with Logan in a moon boot when I last saw him on the way out of the game. Um, he's just going to play and he's just going to have to turn it on. And he does turn it on every now and then. He's got, the average still is like two or three. So he's still up there, but he's not the Buddy of old. And he, mm-hmm. he's starting to know that. He also doesn't bend over to pick up balls anymore. I don't think his hammies are there. I think he's lost both of them. So he, he, is, he is falling apart in his body, but... He's out there trying at least every week. So give him that much. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I think I think the discussion after the Hawthorne game when Armadi and Logan both went went absolutely nuts, I think was more of the time when you could actually say, could you leave because Buddy didn't play because of the suspension? I think you could almost make that argument that could Buddy have missed that third game of the season and just, hey, train a little bit, get your body, get your body right before you come back in. But I understand that it's one of those that how how can you tell a superstar like that that he's not gonna that he's not gonna play when mm. I mean you could really for the long part is McLean didn't have a great game so you had that viable replacement Armani can go into the rock and that's exactly what happened so it's mm. it is a situation I completely agree with you there just there just is not the horses in the paddock for us to be able to just just send him out to pasture yeah. um. It'll be fascinating to see how this offseason goes. Again, I, I agree with you. I think he's done. I, I don't think he comes back another season. I don't even think I, I don't even think this one's I agree with you. I don't think this one's put give him a contract, but I don't even think he tries to find a third team. I just think he steps yeah. away, he retires, he moves up to the Gold Coast with the new house that he does and just enjoys amenity and just being being able to enjoy the life that he that he's earned with with what he's done again. Uh, an absolute 
magnificent player. It's sad to see a player at the end of his career where he's not the same. Like it's one of those you hate looking and go, I remember when you were better. Like, and that's the hard thing to say when it, when it, when a player like that turns to that. So again, I hope he has a couple more absolute fantastic games before, before he, he hangs up the boots, but it is difficult watching him struggle like occasionally in games where he's got an opponent. I think he could do well it and he doesn't. And I think that's the frustrating part Yeah, uh, as a buddy supporter. The whole whole Thorn game was an anomaly. It was uh, Logan and um, Logan and Amati. I think they kicked nine they kicked nine together five five for logan and four for amadi look amadi has always burnt it up in the afl he's been doing a vfl rather he's been doing that for a little while um and he was effectively playing a vfl team in hawthorne so he came on and then smashed him which is what he's been doing for the last two years so there's i didn't take a whole lot away from that um to be honest with you it was the following game um that really made me get excited i think it was against richmond uh where he got himself injured unfortunately so mm-hmm. um it is yeah the pieces of the puzzle in that forward line has been the question mark over this whole year and it's even more so so i would be less inclined to be even talking about buddy because there's no one to replace him he, he, he even when he's 60 percent of his abilities he's still one of the better forwards on that freaking forward line mm-hmm. um it's the question marks that have around the other players Papley's not playing his best games heaney's not playing his best games haywood's been off um they're the names that i'd be asking questions of like how do we get them into the game more and this is like i said earlier in the potty this is the opportunity for the swans fans and, and the coaches to swing some magnets around work out some stuff find some synergies there that maybe we can't see now completely agree with that so that is going to do it for our burning question so um the next couple of sections in the podcast are a little bit fun i'm fascinated for you to hear this chris because i do a team of the week and then power rankings mm-hmm. for kind of how this goes with the team of the week i tell most people um i don't do it like most where it's ton it's statistically is based much i do lean a little bit more on scoreboard impact goals behind a little bit more like that for, to base my teams because I think you make more of an impact when you can do offensively, even for some of the defenders, you can find some defenders that can kick some goals or intercept marks, like certain things that I think help show how effective you are. So we'll do the team. We'll do the team of the week. I do a normal starting 18 and then four on the bench, one from defender, midfield, rock and forward. So we'll go through that really quickly. Uh, So starting on the defense in the fullback line, we have Melbourne's Trent Rivers. Ports, Tom Jonas, I thought, kick your second goal ever. We'll, we'll give you a little bit of love there. And then Adelaide's Brody Smith. I think all, all three had really effective games defensively, and all three moved forward a little bit, even from their full from the full back line, and all kicked goals. Jump to the halfback line. Richmond's Daniel Rioli had an absolute sensational game. I'm going to tip Jake Lloyd. He may not have had the, the great, fantastic game, but when you can go forward as a defender, kick a goal, he's always been one of those guys that really has some good disposal when he has it. And then GWS's Lockie Ash is the other halfback line. At the wings, we have Mason Wood from St. Kilda and our old superstar absolutely in fuego right now over the last two weeks, Errol Goulden from the Sydney Swans. In the center, I have Gold Coast David Swallow, Melbourne's Clayton Oliver, and Collingwood's Jordan DeGoey, with the ruck being Mason Cox. I had to had to do it. He kicks two goals from the ruck position. That's where he primarily played in this game, so we'll give him a tip there. At the forward line, at the half-forward line, Richmond's Dusty Martin, Gold Coast's Ben King, and Fremantle's Lockie Schultz. Sends a shiver down some Swans fans' <laughs> uh, spines there. The full forward line, Norse Nick Larkey, Brisbane's Joe Danaher, and Adelaide's Tex Walker will be your starters. On the bench, 
I'll give him a tip on this. Collingwood's Nick Dacos, 41 disposals. Absolutely fantastic game. Midfielder, the ruck is Melbourne's Max Gone. Midfielder, Carlton's Sam Wash. And forwards, St. Kilda's Jack Higgins. Mm-hmm. So that's my team. Again, it, you'll you'll notice a lot a lot of the goal scoring kind of kind of influence on there, but I think a lot of really good performances this round from a lot of these players. So it'd be an interesting team to go up against. I think the the, the AFL is starting to get what they wanted, which was an offensively minded game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is aggressively forward, and uh, the names that you pointed out there and the, and the vibe of it is, is basically getting pressure up forward and having shots at goal and. AFL has got that at the moment. It's um, the first year they put in some of these changes didn't work for them. It kind of slowed down the game, but now it's just firing off and, and, and games are starting to become a shootout at some points. There are obviously some of those games that turn into an absolute boring uh, defensive fest, but yeah, it, it's becoming a, yeah, they've done some nice changes to the AFL and, and the standard mark rule as example is one of them. Um, the 666 uh, is one of them um, and it's starting to get exciting. Yeah, I agree. And really, it's been interesting how I remember the first year they did the stand the mark rule, the first couple of rounds, everything was goal, goal, goals, goals. And then the, the coaches kind of rang it in a little bit. And I remember hearing so many people go, why are the coaches doing? And I almost wanted to go, well, aren't you paying your coaches to win? I mean, yeah. like it's the one it's the one thing I find fascinating is how many fans are will scream and complain complain and whinge and suck so much about well we want we want this, we want this. I'm like, yeah, well, do you want your team to win or do you want them to score 150 points? Because sometimes you can't do both. Like that's the fascinating it's like don't pay your coach to win if you only want to score 150 points. <laughs> so I just I always had to chuckle at that one. So all right, we'll jump to my power rankings, which I tell everybody this is not this is going to throw some people off because this is not the power rankings. Everybody look at the ladder, go the top five, be your five. No, it is not by ladder. It is by form. The last five games are what I base my power rankings off of. So here's how it goes at the number five spot, the Western Bulldogs, four out of five wins over the last five games, starting to find their groove. Number four, the Melbourne demons, Number three, the Collingwood Magpies. Number two, the Port Adelaide Power. And number one, the Brisbane Lions. So over the last five games, three of these teams are 5-0. and They're playing really, really well. And both Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs are 4-1 and in those five periods. These are some of the hottest teams playing the best footy right now. It's always going to fluctuate. I had Geelong in last week, but unfortunately their lo- their loss to Richmond kind of threw them out of the power ranking. So very interesting. We'll have to see how the doggies continue at that four in a row. They've looked really, really mm-hmm. solid, starting starting to kind of find what they didn't have at the start of the year. I think it's really – Bevel's done – yeoman's work with 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 some of the things that he's had uh to go with it'd be fascinating to see how the doggies progresses this year goes on yep no arguments there i think that's a pretty good run uh to be honest with you i agree with every one of those ones um i'd say uh adelaide probably walk into that perhaps if they get another then get going so but mm. yeah all those teams mate, they've been they've been really really good and they're all that's a, again they're all really fun teams to watch they don't they don't play boring football they play hard uh, football in the right places and they get the ball up forward and they get scoring shots. And that's something that some other teams aren't able to do uh, at the moment. Other swans, but they're definitely getting it done. 
All right. Well, this is going to be the most interesting part of the podcast because in our in our conversations pre Mike before we recorded I, from Chris in quote I am horrible at tipping, but we always end every <laughs> podcast. Had a good run with, this week <laughs> with some tipping. I've been I've been on a pretty good roll. I was nine and zero yeah. the week before, and I was seven and two this week. So I was I've been I've been on a roll. I think it's eight and one, nine and zero, and seven and two in my last three. So I, I've I've been doing pretty well. I've tipped a couple of uh, a couple of upsets over the last few rounds that had. I think some people tip the opposite and I got lucky on those. So we'll jump to it again. Teams aren't out, some injury things. So this is going to be an interesting tips because it's still very, very early. We are recording this literally Monday morning, Australian time. So this will be fascinating to see how this goes come Friday when the game starts. So we'll start off Adelaide Oval Friday night for the Port Adelaide v Melbourne. Port get to host the Rampaging Demons. Who do you like in this one? I can't. I can't pick Port for this game. I go to D's. I think the D's are just too strong in in all the good, all the right areas. Um, I think the only thing that I can consider what Port does that's really, really well is their back line is solid. Um, and there are times when Melbourne's forward line doesn't quite fire off. Uh, and that's probably the only chance that Port has to make sure they take their chances when they have it um, and be able to quell them when they don't. But Melbourne's back line is the the benchmark in the game at the moment uh, and and Port Adelaide absolutely is not so I think Melbourne's is uh, across the board is just a much much better team and I, I think they get it done I think they get it done by like four goals as well yeah I'm with you Melbourne but I think Port stays in this Port at home the cauldron yep. of the Adelaide Oval the D's the D's have went over the Adelaide Oval and dropped one against the Crows a couple of years ago when they were on that great run so you never know on the road I just think the D's are too good that midfield and the two the two Ruckman I think are going to have a field day on Tickle if mm-hmm. it's only Tickle. Do it? Do they maybe is Lyset healthy enough to come back in? I don't think so. I think Tico gets toweled up by the two by Grundy and gone. And I think it just gets, it's ugly out of the middle if if they are tapping it down to Oliver Petraka, Viney, Brayshaw, and and the and the elite midfield that Melbourne has. So Demons, I think it's closer than than some people think, but I think D's just too good. Marvel Stadium, North Melbourne, VR beloved Sydney Swans. Is this the kind of the perfect timing for the Swans to get the ruse? Because we're a little weak, but the ruse are, are probably going to be without LDU and a couple of the strong players. I'm going to tip the Swans only because I think the ruse are just absolutely in just disarray. It's going to take at least a couple of years for, for the coaching staff to kind of round everything up and get everything the right way so i have sydney winning this one yeah i have sydney winning this one um we are licking our injuries licking our wounds on the way in uh millsy we've got question marks over millsy whether he comes back the suggestion is he doesn't um so we're missing millsy rampy patty mccartan tommy mccartan's a question mark as well because he set out for concussion hickey wasn't looking at himself so perhaps his laddam's coming in again um buddy's looking really sore logan was in a moon boot we've got a lot of question marks over this team so you imagine stevens comes back in we've got some question marks well who else goes into that forward line the sheldrick take a spot um, maybe goes inside a little bit more with millsy out that we find another spot to put gould uh, maybe in the back line to use someone more of the half back use more of that leg We've got huge question marks across the whole board. North Melbourne, again, also does, but for different reasons altogether with. Um, I have Sydney. Um, Sydney's um, 
Sydney's game, even when they play average, is better than North Melbourne's when they play average. Sydney's game, when they play well, a lot against Collingwood, is a very good team and then can pressure on a lot. So, But we Millsy out is a humongous out for the Swans. We can't just swing him into any place to uh, basically patch up a hole. Um, so we've got some huge question marks. So I suggest that it's probably Sydney, but in a close one, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. We jump at Mars Stadium up in Ballarat. Western Bulldogs v. the Adelaide Crows. Who do you like in this one? Um, this is going to be, I reckon this is game of the round. I'm pretty I, excited about this one. Um, I am too. yeah, I, I, I probably would put up the doggies. I think the doggies are a better team. I think they're hotter. Um, I think they've got bigger pieces in bigger places. So I get the doggies probably by, I'd say a close one, like two or three goals. Um, if they get off the chain, it can get ugly. I'd say for Adelaide. But I don't see that being the case. I, I definitely see Adelaide being able to uh, to be a bit of a. I want it to be a scoring fest. I want it to be a hundred to eighty kind of competition. I want it to be just going off. So I got the doggies in a high scoring game and uh, for about two or three goals. Yeah, it'll be interesting. The fact that this one is a Ballarat, where which the doggies play pretty Ballarat pretty well, is the reason. I think if this is an Adelaide Oval, I may tip the Crows. I'm gonna tip the doggies in this one just because of placement. I think this is one of those situations where the doggies play Ballarat super, super well. Crows don't get there very often. We'll have to see how weather – does weather throw a factor to it a little bit too, but I like I like the doggies in this one, but I agree with you. I think this is close. I think this comes down to the fourth quarter. Jump out, out west to Optus Stadium is Fremantle coming off the win up to Sydney, take on Geelong. Normally, I would I would be tipping Fremantle. They're at home. They tend to play well at the West. But even Geelong weekend, I think, can beat this Fremantle team. I think they ran into a Swans team. That, that loss of Callum Mills really knocked the stuffing out of them, and they just really kind of were flustered from then on. Then losing Logan McDonald really didn't help. Fremantle kind of got going with Darcy going up against a hickey that I think is still getting ready. Um, Geelong is not exactly known for that, but I think their midfield is a little bit stronger. I'm going to go with the Cats. I don't think they have a defender that can stop Jeremy Cameron and Tommy Hawkins. So if they can get decent um, a delivery, I think Hawkins and Cameron have a field day. I like the Cats in this one. Yeah, agreed. From watching them live, um, Fremantle were just walking out of that back line. Uh, the Swans were just not playing enough pressure. Um, they were walking out of the center clearances uh, with Darcy having an absolute field day, as you suggest there, and the, and the center is just walking through them. Um, I don't see that. I don't see them being able to do that against Geelong. Uh, definitely, uh, their backline applies good pressure and is good in the air, not like ours were. So definitely, I, I agree with you. I see Geelong probably taking that one and, and somewhat convincingly. All right, back up to the Gabba as we get the battle for Queensland as the Brisbane Lions take on the Gold Coast. Who do you like in this one? I think Brisbane's just a better team across the board. Um, uh, the only time, the only part of the team that probably is the scariest against Brisbane would be their midfielders. As we said, there's two comeback. Probably, I don't think he's back in time. Rowe, uh, Anderson. So I like Brisbane, definitely. Uh, I think Brisbane's just a, a better team across the board. I would love to see the one, this one be a highly attended game just for Queensland purposes. I want it to be a close game because it's going to be a fun one if it is. Uh, but I reckon Lions get up and get up pretty easily. Yeah, cute clash. If this was at Heritage Bank Stadium, I think I'd give Gold Coast a little bit more of a shot. But being at the Gabba, and again, Brisbane play the Gabba so well, I have the Lions, and I think the Lions win this one. Easily, I don't think it's a 50-point win, but I think the Lions win it by at least five or six goals in this one. Mm-hmm. To, down to dream time at the G as Essendon take on Richmond. A fascinating, fascinating game. I always love this game. 
I'm going to go with Richmond. I think they've got some positive mojo. The hopper injury concerns me a little bit because of some of the midfield depth that Essendon has. But I'm going to stay with the Tigers. I think the Tigers got some more positive momentum. I think they're playing a little bit better footy. I think Essendon's kind of going through some growing pains right now. So I'm going to tip the Tigers in this one. Yeah, this is probably a really interesting game for both teams. It's it it's a must win game for both of them. I think they 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 have to win this one, uh, if they want to even think about finals. That this is the team that they're going to be up against. Look, I probably am going to go against you. I'm going to go for the Dons. I think um, Richmond has been not themselves shattered, and they've had to really pull together a effectively what in some ways seemed like a perfect game um, across the board for them to get up. So I think Essendon is just a better team, on not on paper, but the way that they are playing um, generally uh, across the seasons. So I'm going to go with the Dons, um, but it is not a convincing win by either team either way. Um, I don't see them, uh, I don't see either team lighting it up. I don't see either team getting everyone excited about where they're standing. It's going to be a gritty game, this one. Mm-hmm. Well, you thought that one's gritty. This should be even more interesting as the University of Taz Stadium hosts the Wooden Spoon, the Wooden Spoon Invitational as the Hawthorne Hawks take on the West Coast Eagles. <laughs> who 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 can who keeps their name in the stakes for Harley Reed at the end of the year? Uh, even if West Coast wanted West Coast wanted to win, I don't think they could. <laughs> I say that much. I think they are a shell of a team and injuries have they will gristling old veterans to begin with and they've still got all injuries across the board they are really struggling so i don't see west coast putting up much of a fight i see hawthorne um down in lonnie just destroying them basically so yeah and and there's one and much to the demise of hawthorne because they probably need that first round pick but it is what it is i got hawthorne in this one i just i just think that the west coast is is just riddled with injury it's not helping that some of their best players keep going keep going down uh, Hawthorne, there's just enough structure for Sammy Mitchell that I think they get it done, especially down in Tassie. I have the Hawks in this one. The old rivalry, Carlton v. Collingwood at the MCG. I, I As much as I would love to see Carlton throw the ladder into a little bit more chaos, I think Collingwood just too good. Their attacking style is going to give Carlton headaches, especially if Carlton continue to play slow lazy sideways footy i just have collingwood and collingwood just too good on this one yeah i agree um i think the 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 contest so the contested game that carlton kind of falls into when they're in panic mode is just not good against collingwood uh, we see uh, sydney applied that trade a couple weeks ago um and Col- uh, collingwood rather were able to find a way to stem that and then get it going in their direction um i agreed i would love to see collingwood be toppled by a hot form uh, carlton i just don't see that happening so i got collingwood in this one um i don't have them smashing them but i definitely don't see a convincing um i see a, a, an effort from Col- from carlton rather but i don't see them getting up yeah, so old, I would say old, three goals. I goals. think the old rivalry will keep this game a little bit closer than than, than mm. some would say. I don't think Carlton gets blown out either. I agree with you. Up to Giants Day and up in New South Wales as GWS host the Saints in the ultimate ending of the round. I'm fascinated. What do you think about this one? Yeah, this one's really got me interested because GWS, albeit, are not firing up for any sake. They've also got a, a number of injuries and running quite a young team as well. But um 
like I said, I've never been, I've not been convinced with St. Kilda. I think they got kind of hot uh, and at some point you're going to get cool. So I, I've actually got um, an upset here with GWS taking it in a close one. So that's where I stand. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to go with the Saints. I, I just think GWS is inconsistent. And unless you can guarantee me Toby Green's going to play, I don't think they have that X factor to change the game. I think there's enough structure there under Rossi Lyon that I think they'll be okay. They're starting to get healthier. They're starting to get some of those. There's some of the more experienced players, but what I've noticed is, is the more experienced players come in, then they're starting to have some of the struggles that they had last year. So I'm fascinated to see can Ross kind of kick these guys in the, in, in the, in the buttocks and, and get them going a little bit back to kind of what they were at the start of the year when it was a young inexperienced team that I think they ate up everything Ross said. And now that they're gotten some of their experienced players in, are they regressing a little bit? Like kind of like, as you said, the cooling off period, I'm going to go with the saints here just because I think Toby greens in this game, I would tip the giants. I, I completely agree mm -hmm. on the road. It's an interesting one, especially you've lost a couple. I'm going to go with the saints just because you don't have that X factor of Toby green in this game. I think he can make that big an impact. So that is going to do it for the nine tips for this round, sir. That is also going to do it for this episode, Chris. Genuinely, genuinely appreciate the footy chat and having you hop on, even though it is relatively early in the morning over there. Not a problem, mate. It's always good to be on. I love chatting with you. I love the stuff that you've been doing. So, uh, yeah, happy to be here and I'll be here anytime you want. Awesome, awesome. And hopefully next time I won't talk about the swans so freaking often, but I'm pretty hurt <laughs> right now. But we, we, well, we try to be a bit more neutral for next time. Well, you and I discussed this, and I, th I think we should put this on the end of the podcast, and I think we, we need to do some discussions on this. I think, I know this is an AFL podcast, but we need to talk Swans AFLW. I think it would be fantastic mm -hmm. for us to sit down and talk about the changes to the AFLW list because I have been fascinatingly happy with the list changes that have happened over this off season. So I'm gonna let you know, we're going to work with the bevy. I'm going to try to work with the bevy of bloods podcast doing a swans AFLW off season kind of wrap up on how the swans did this off season. Cause I think it was fantastic. So Chris, I, I know you had mentioned some of this. We need to have a sit down. We have a chat about this, whether it's on your podcast or mine or both, because I think it would be great. I'd love to see if we could get Zane on too, because I know Zane is super excited mm -hmm. about hopping on too. And just talking AFLW uh, for the Swans, because I think there's a lot of excitement, at least on my end. And I know on Zane's as well for could be a much improved and a much more exciting season for the Swans AFLW women this year. Yeah, I agree, mate. I, I think there's none other than none better than yourself and Zane at the AFLW for Swans World. I, I, I really, I really hope we get something going there. Um, yeah, the movements that we had in the off season, the, some of the names we have, that's starting to get pretty exciting. Like we're picking in some pretty, pretty tidy players that we can get into. Um, yeah, like we see a totally different team, and also not just the the players that we've had in. There's also another year under the young players. You have to remember, I think the team got given like four or five months before they knew they had to get into to the competition. So they, and yeah. It's, <laughs> 10 weeks. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So like, no wonder some of the players weren't in, in form or really didn't know what was hitting them basically. So we're playing against, you know, uh, 
some of the ladies there that have been playing for three seasons, four seasons, and they're just absolutely units. And so some of the young girls are going to just have been shocked. So I'm really excited about this next year. I'm looking forward to a big growth from the AFLW girls. So mm -hmm. yeah, mate, I'm looking forward to it. I think that's going to be a great chat. I'm looking forward super for this season. I know my mum is too, because she became effectively a Swans fan after me asking for 30 odd years to come to a game. She had no interest. AFLW started. She started turning up. She's a member. Uh, she's got hats. She's explained the rules to my dad. This is the magic of AFLW. It's special. It's really genuinely special for the game and for just Australian culture and sports generally. Um, we need to pay and give as much love as we can, definitely. And that's something last year the baby wasn't prepared to do. We weren't ready for it in the same way that the club wasn't. But this year we're going to change it all up and want to get yourself on there, definitely, to give us a good kickstart up the right way. Definitely, for sure. We will definitely do that. Well, that is going to do it for our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Again, keep an eye out. AFL, AFLW, some off-season talks. Again, we may do some, we do some teams. And like I said, we will probably try to do a Swans preview because I like getting that, that Swans chat in occasionally, uh, just the littlest bit for, for some of those. I know I can be annoying when it comes to it, but I try not to be Red Hat Donnie too much on that. And then, as always, keep an eye out more Sandful Waffle and VFL coverage. Again, we are keeping track of the state leagues. It has been fantastic getting to know that. I've been getting jerseys in the mail, so keep an eye out on my display chair back here. I will start putting up some of the sample waffle and VFL Guernseys as I get them in to be able to show some state league love as well. So that's going to do it for our episode. We'll be back very, very soon with more footy talk very soon on another episode of Donnie's Disposals. We will see you again very, very soon.